Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 447. Terry, Mil- Terry M- Miller, my name. Alongside Johnny V, who celebrated a birthday yesterday, everyone. Yep, we're on podcast 447. I celebrated 4-5. Yeah, you did. <laughs> along, along with your daughter, who's according, to, 45. Who, according to Facebook, is 23. Uh, so. <laughs> well, we got to get around those terms of service somehow. Uh, I just got a kick out of it because it came up in my Facebook feed. You know, it was Mackenzie Miller's birthday. And it's like, oh, born in 2000, were you? Then... Maybe I should have got her a drink last night as yeah. we were sitting next to each other nope, at dinner. Nope, there was, uh, you know, there's some ways you got to get around some things, and that's how she must have figured it out one day. So, Mackenzie, Mackenzie, my daughter, uh, celebrating her birthday, her 12th birthday today. And if you saw the Instagram post actually I made on the way out, uh, there was a band concert going on at her school. So, an, all the more reason to get together last night uh, to have a, a joined. Uh, birthday celebration. celebration we've uh, done a few times in the yes, past throughout the years so it's always good to get the families together tonight uh there was a sixth seventh and eighth grade band concert and uh, i i was okay with with heading out a little early <laughs> just had, to just, make sure i got here in the podcast <laughs> just in time just uh, in time and of course tonight's podcast in just a few moments we're not going to waste much more time in just a few moments we're going to have our champion from the fpo side this weekend Paige Pierce is going to be joining us, and uh, before we even do that, we'll also say congratulations, of course, to our champion, who we had just a few weeks ago on the show on the MPO side, and that, of course, was Gannon Burr. So congratulations to him, and uh, I, I guess without further ado, we don't we don't need to pussyfoot around this anymore, plus my space bar is super glued on my... What? <laughs> it's another story for the after show. Welcome in, everyone. We have Paige Pierce, the Open at Austin champion. Hi, Paige. Hello. How's it going? Happy late birthday, Johnny V. Oh, thank you, Paige. Much appreciated. When is, <laughs> when is your birthday? The last day of May, right, after, right around Portland Open time. Okay. 
you guys do you guys usually get like together and celebrate on the on the road around Portland? What's your favorite thing to do around your birthday? Because you're always traveling, so yeah. Um, I mean, this past uh, my birthday this past year, I was supposed to be in Bend. It was it would have fallen between Portland Open and the next one, um, and I had some flight troubles and actually ended up just flying back to Pensacola and spent the day on the beach with Alyssa and the puppies. Um, this year it'll be like two days after the tournaments and actually was just talking with Joe, um, about flights and did I want to hang in Portland for my birthday or do I want to come back here? Is Alyssa going to be with me? Stuff like that. So I'm actually not sure yet, but Portland's a good place to be. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. All right. And so with that, we'll immediately get right into the fact that your lifestyle obviously has changed in the last couple of years in that you have a home, uh, you have dogs, you have Alyssa, you have so much more of this. I, I don't want to say grounded because I, I, I don't want to imply anything, but you have so much more of this uh, physical non-moving structure being your house and whether you consider that grounded or not. But the fact that you have that, what is it still be, what is that like? Getting home, going home, trying to get home versus your time on the road, because that's not what your lifestyle was for 10 or 15 years. Yeah, no, it's super nice. I feel like when I get to an event, I feel well rested. And, you know, it's almost like I know I'm there to work, you know, and it's like it's it's like I'm clocking in, you know, I get on the flight and it's like, okay, now it's paid Pierce time. And I put on the side pony and I, you know, got my disc golf gear on and I'm like clocking in, you know? And so it makes it feel more like a job. And like, for example, I just left to go to the Texas swing of tournaments, those two tournaments. And it felt like, okay, well, if I'm packing my bags and I'm spending this money on the flight and I'm, and I'm prepping for this, like, I got to make this trip worth it. I got to make it count. I got to put my all into it. Whereas before every day just kind of blended together mm-hmm. and like it, it kind of like was like, Oh, well it didn't win that one. Like we'll try again next time. And, but now it's like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to go to these tournaments, like I need to be, I need to be committed and I need to be there. So it's been super nice. And then vice versa coming home too. Like, it's like, okay, you're taking your disc golf hat off and you're at home and you need to be present at home. And, um, besides, you know, interviews like this. Um, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, when I'm home, I'm, I'm trying to like be home and connect with my friends and family and loved ones. And, um, yes, still make time for disc golf, but, you know, trying to find that balance and to make sure that I'm living my entire life and not just, uh, you know, spending so much time worrying about what shot I threw or didn't throw well. I, and I, I almost almost hate to even use the word, but because what is it to anyone? But does it feel more normal? Does this feel like how maybe a lot of other people have been dealing with disc golf? Not that road life's not amazing, but just is traditional, normal? Are, are are those words? Or I mean, you're probably not too concerned about the labels. Yeah. I think I, I think I've talked about this on your podcast before, so sorry to beat it beat it down if I have. But just um, I got home two days ago. I drove straight through and I got home at two a.m. 
Um, but so yeah, I guess it was yesterday I unpacked the van and I grabbed all my dirty dishes, my sink in the van's not working. So I grabbed all the dirty dishes and brought them inside and just started doing the dishes. And I was just like, wow, a sink, like, this is amazing. You know, the little things you take for granted, like someone coming to get the trash tomorrow, got to remember to put the trash out tonight and like, you know, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it definitely feels more normal. Like, and also just allows me to have more time to like go to the doctor, you know, I'm scheduling a doctor's appointment and like stuff like that, where it's like on the road, you don't do that. You really don't do that. So it also helps with, uh, trying to plan a wedding. So, um, yeah, it's, it definitely feels normal and something that I've never had. Like I literally went on the disc golf tour as a professional when I was, uh, 19 years old, straight out of high school. So, um, I've never lived a life like this. Um, what people say is normal. Like I've never had that. So it's, it's been cool to, you know, see what my parents have always talked about being normal and, and you know, all that. So yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. I mean, you, again, the lifestyle you had, uh, in that you were on the road full time, I think there's literally millions of people that would, you know, give their right arm or maybe their non-throwing arm, whatever it is to, to have, you know, led that lifestyle for at least some period of time as you've been able to do. So, uh, not that you would have any regrets of it, but now seeing it at an older age, Coming from a more traditional uh, vantage point has to be uh, just, yeah, just very different for you. It's an evolution. Yeah. That's ultimately what what we're becoming. Yeah, I'm just doing things different order than most people, I guess. Most people, like, live the normal life and then they go chase their dreams. I'm kind of doing vice versa. But, you know, this this is my dream as well, Mm -hmm. just, you know, to experience all avenues of life. So it's, it's, it's maybe different than most people, but I'm enjoying both both sides of it. So, of course, the burning question has to be, did either of you, because I didn't see any updates, did either of you say yes to the dress? Is there, is there, yeah. what, 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 give us the update. Um, so Alyssa did, and it's funny too, because we didn't plan this, but we ended up looking at dresses on the exact same day at the exact same time, both of us at 4 PM on whatever it was Saturday, um, and I just knew she was going to get one. Her mom is in town and I was just like, she's going to buy one. Like her mom's going to hype her up and be like, oh, this is the one. This one's perfect. And uh, with the support of her mom and also Tina, uh, I just knew like they were going to get one. And she did. Um, I didn't, but I narrowed it down. And also, I'm just not going to spend that much money. That's crazy. That's okay. Crazy. Okay. That's a woman after my own heart. My wife spent five hundred dollars on her wedding dress, and that was yes. See, like, I found a website, June's yeah. June's Bridals. There's a few of them, but the dresses are like one hundred and seventy five dollars. But like, I didn't know what cut or like, I didn't know any of the terms. I'm I, learning I, drop I, drop waist <laughs> and a frame, and I'm learning all this stuff. But um. Yeah, so now I kind of have an idea of what to go after. And then actually Missy, Missy's coming next week for her birthday. She's playing Houston. And then she's coming here to her 35th birthday is next week. Um, everyone shout out to Missy next week. Um, and she's coming to Pensacola to celebrate. And we're going to actually go look for dresses again while she's here. Hopefully find something. But um, yeah. Is it public Working knowledge it. when the wedding is? Uh, November 11th. No, November 11th. Okay. 11-11. Yep. Awesome. And yep. gosh, I have all these funny questions in my head. Are, are you guys going to, I mean, there, there's the old wedding tradition of not seeing each other before 
in each other's garments. Are you guys going to do that? Or are you going to show each other each other's dresses beforehand? And like, what is, do you have any ideas of that stuff at all? Or, um, you know, a lot of it, we're still working out, but for that one, we have decided like, we don't want to see each other in the dress for sure. But you know, if, if the dress comes in, you know, we share a closet. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's probably going to sit in the closet. Like maybe I'll see it, but I'm not going to see it on her and vice versa. And, um, yeah, definitely just want to wait on that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun to like it's make all stuff. those decisions. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, and that was giving me my follow up, which is, and it's kind of along those lines, you know, the fact that you guys didn't plan to go do it, so to speak, uh, on the same day to go wedding dress shopping, that kind of answered even the first question, which would have been that you're not involved in picking out each other's in any capacity, which I think is really interesting as well. You know, I mean, you just said you don't want to see each other in it, uh, in each other's, you know, in the dresses. But yeah, just not being involved in picking, helping pick out. I don't know. It's it's totally it's weird. It's weird because we talk about everything. And like, (laughs) you know, every time we leave the house, she's like, how do I look in this? Like, is this, you know, and vice versa. And so it's like, well, that's like the most important one. Like, But anyway, it's funny. But that's what we have friends and family and loved ones for to to help with that decision. Do you have a wedding planner and all this stuff? Someone helping you do, uh, you know, cake and meals and flowers and colors, all that other stuff? Or you guys doing that all on your own? Um, So I didn't think we needed a planner, but we could probably do all that planning, but like the day of like you know, be on top of stuff. So you're not that day like, Oh, I got to switch this or do that. And so we decided to go with a wedding planner and she's, she's awesome. Her name's Elizabeth. And, um, we have like every other week we have a call with her where she updates us on stuff or like, Hey, we're six months. We should stuff like that. So we don't really have to work, which is great. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going super well. And, um, yeah, we got a lot, a lot of things planned, but a lot yet to do still. Well, I think we can do enough wedding talk for now. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> what I was going to say is, uh, aside from the planning, uh, I, I see uh, via socials usually just how insanely busy, not just you, but Alyssa and Tina, I, I, I called Tina uh, about a week ago and I'm like, I did, I figured you'd be in like salsa class or something. You'd be dancing. I did not actually think she'd pick up the phone. <laughs> It seems like there is no downtime for you. And I mean that in a good way that you seem preoccupied and busy doing adventurous, largely or semi-adventurous stuff almost every minute. Do you do you feel that right now? Is that just part of you living your fullest life that it seems like every minute you guys have something fun going on? Yeah, um, I think that's just kind of my nature. I have a hard time sitting still. I think I got that from my grandpa. We, um, tell him he has restless leg syndrome. He <laughs> just never sits down. Like even uh-huh. when he's eating dinner and it's funny. Cause like I noticed that in myself, like as soon as my last bite of food's gone, I'm like, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? What, what's the plan? I got to clean up, you know? And it, I don't know, um, how that happened to me besides jeans maybe, but, um, it, that's just, I can't, I can't slow down. I can't sit. It's like, 
I just start like shaking my leg of like, what, what's my plan, what I got to do. And um, so, yeah, I try to fill it, fill that with like things that make me happy. I have a lot of to-do lists. Um, Alyssa teases me all the time about how many to-do lists I have. Um, but I try to balance that out with like things that I want to accomplish, but also things that I just want to enjoy. Um, but yeah, so doing a lot of stuff and also just like new to another part of like that normalcy thing is like having a home and having a community and have, and like wanting to try new restaurants and to, and to see what's going on around town and like to, to like dive into what is Pensacola. And so like going to like, you know, salsa nights and drum circles and stuff like that and, and seeing what is around town. So yeah, definitely always, always on the move. Um, but I like it that way. So when you talk about your to-do list and or goals or accomplishments, now now maybe we'll segue a little bit into disc golf. What what's on that list? What what is a concern when you look into twenty twenty three, and you know you were remodeling your bathroom and you we didn't see you at uh you know at Vegas. You got started. You know you you started a couple of events in taking extra time. I know you're traveling all over the world and in Thailand and, and Cambodia and Malaysia and those places. But when you look into 2023, what's, what's on that list of uh, your immediate goals or, or things you want to obtain this year? Um, well, I mean, it, it, it kind of comes and goes, you know, depending on long-term, short-term, what, you know, it could also change tomorrow really. But one of my goals was just, to win a pro tour this year, um, to win a major. Um, I think every single year of my career, I've won an elite series event. So I wanted to, you know, keep that streak alive. And luckily I've already done that. So that, that feels like, you know, I feel some, some bit of, uh, pride in that. And, you know, to, to add to that would just be to win a major this year. And, you know, luckily I have four chances to do so. Um, the first one coming up super soon, that's two tournaments away for me. Um, so to go into that confident and, and feel like, you know, also being the returning champion, um, I feel like that will help my confidence and, and help me to try to achieve one of my goals for the year. Um, other than that, of course, the sixth time is always on my mind. Um, uh, but trying not to put too much pressure on that, uh, try to just get there when I get there. Um, but yeah, I think like more broad goal is just to kind of keep my mindset positive the whole year long and, and to, when I'm at an event, be stoked about being there. Don't complain about any courses. Don't complain about any conditions. You know, if it's windy, if it's raining, if I hate the course, it doesn't matter. Like just look at the positives and, and try to smile through it. Basically. It seems so funny. And maybe from this side of the viewers, we take it for granted, but you said one of your goals was to win an elite series event this year. And for everybody else, that's maybe not you. It just seemed inevitable for all of us. Like we just assume, is it, is that not how you think about it? Do you not just think like, oh, I'm going to get one or two elite series this, this year because, or do you look at the competition? First of all, I guess I'll say, did you always think that, or did you kind of make an assumption that you would, or is this year different in that you're seeing some of the competition like 
Kristen and Kat and Missy and own like it feels like everybody's raising their game is has that changed throughout the last five or ten years for you um no I, I mean I guess so right because there's definitely been years where I'm like I'm gonna win every single tournament that I play and and truly felt that and and believed it um and so I don't know I, I mean I guess I would I would say like trying to think like and put myself back in my head like before Waco I I've I felt confident I felt like I I had a chance to win it um but I guess like where it's changed is is that there's so many more competitors and not only that is that there's so many more competitors that really do have a chance to win and so it comes down to them not being on their A game, me being on my A game and my mindset being in the right place and the course, you know, giving me good breaks and the course, you know, suiting my game. So, um, you know, there's a lot more factors than I think there has been in previous years, you know, back Terry, you, I know you remember this, like, you know, it used to be me, Katrina, Val, or Hokum are going to win the tournament. And it was that way for years and years and years, like three, four, five years. Um, you know, us four were going to be the same card mates every single round. And that was that. Now you don't know what you're going to get. We're playing new courses. We have new players. Like, and yeah, there's things are just quite a bit different. So you have to, you have to let go of those previous expectations and kind of, you know, be realistic do you feel like otherwise it, you're going to get disappointed you sure sorry no 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 no, no of course I always finish your your answer sorry um you mentioned about the course like fitting you do you feel like this austin course fit your game because i looked at it and you know i don't want to offend you but you this course had a lot of ob and in the past <laughs> you've kind of been an ob magnet you've always been aggressive is what we say you you never seem to i don't want to say you don't take the ob into account but you tend to play more danger. You used to play more dangerously. Is that different this year? Because you had four OBs or six, I think maybe four, four OBs this weekend, which was, I think second or third on the list of, I have to take a look at you disc. I looked at it earlier today and wrote it down. And then of course I forgot my notes. Um, <laughs> so d- did you, are you approaching this differently or did you, do you feel like you just didn't find the OB? Um, so I, th- think that also kind of goes like depending on what point of my career it's been um you know i for so long was winning tournaments winning 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 and um i don't know what my ob stats were at that point um but i have to imagine they weren't too high otherwise i probably wouldn't have been winning um and i was like more playing golf and then there was a stage in my career where i it sounds so silly to say, but I just really just want to be honest. And I know a lot of people maybe can't relate to this, but I just want to speak my truth. But like where winning just didn't seem like the priority, winning wasn't like that fun. And what seemed more fun to me was like throwing a shot that I was going to remember, you know, and, and like, coming back to that hole 10 years from now and being like, Oh my God, that one time I threw this shot on this hole. And that was what, what excited me for a couple of years in a row. And so, yeah, it, with that as 
your thought, you know, you're going to be challenging OB quite a bit more. Um, and it was still exciting, you know, whether or not I succeeded in that shot or not, it was, Hey, you have the guts to do this and you tried it and yeah, it didn't go your way this time, but you know, you gave it your all and you committed. So, um, I just really didn't care, I guess too much, but I felt like this weekend, especially after uh, a poor showing in Waco, I really wanted to focus on, uh, the golf and, and to be more consistent and, and to not, not go for many shots that were going to get me in trouble. But, um, as far as the first part of your question where you asked about if the course suited me, I think it really did. Like, I didn't feel like many of my shots challenged the OB lines very much. Um, I think a lot of people were making the holes more difficult than they were is like throwing faster discs when they didn't need to, or, um, you know, throwing hyzers over the OB, um, where I just threw straight shots with a putter or a mid range and, uh, eliminated any chance of that. Okay. Uh, and a couple of follow-ups to that one. First of all, I, I see that you had six OBs uh, apparently on the weekend. So just to, for anyone keeping track at home, thanks to you to six OBs. Uh, but two, I feel like if we turned off our brain and turned off the video just for a second and then re-listened to everything you just said, somebody might say, wait a minute, is that is that Simon Lazat? Like, is that <laughs> Simon talking about, about like backing away from maybe the hero shot or the fun shot and instead going after the safer play, the higher percentage um, you know, those types of shots. It feels like there's a little similarity just in that mentality. Now, you, ha- I, I don't want to call it a luxury, but you also, even when you were taking those, you were then potentially still going on to win and maybe win by 10. Simon, uh, for instance, you know, that, that might have been the thing that ended his round or his tournament. Is, yeah, quite a bit a crazy different. Shot somewhere, just, you know, just due to the parity in the divisions. But as you were explaining that, I'm, I'm envisioning a little bit of a Simon mentality as well about just like keeping to the safer, smarter game plan more often and not necessarily as concerned about those crazy or fun shots. But I guess we'll we'll see how those continue to uh, shake out from time to time. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, there was also kind of a storyline or maybe just a stat. Maybe storyline is, is overselling it, but... Two of the things that came to mind, one, 151st victory. Um, I'd love to get your take on that, if that number at all means anything. And then two, the other kind of number was just the fact that we hadn't seen you win a big event since the major. And I know Nate kind of asked you about that and, and you know you, how you replied about how you really didn't think about that. Do those two answers kind of go hand in hand? You're, you're not worried about when your last win was or or... You know, what does that mean to you to get 151st win in, in FPL? Yeah, it, it, it really isn't on my mind at all. Um, I think stats are really cool. And when I didn't play Vegas and I watched every single minute of the broadcast, um, every time they brought up a stat on there, it was really cool. And I thought, wow, this really adds to the broadcast and it, and it gives like another storyline and it's exciting. Um, and same thing, like when you're watching NBA or something and they're like, you know, this is the fourth time in a, in his, on the home court 
in a blue jersey that he's done this and it's just like mm. sometimes it's like come on what does that, that even mean yeah, yeah yeah and so you know i kind of felt that a little bit with the um where nate's question about the eight um not having a win in eight eight months um where four of those months was off season so it's like you know if i could sure. win a, an event once every four months that's pretty solid i think sure. so um yeah i i think it's somewhat something that I'm happy that I don't pay attention to. Otherwise it could, you know, if I'm sitting there thinking, man, the last time I won was European open, it's going to put a lot more stress and pressure on me, um, going into, you know, any tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely not something that you want to pay attention to as an athlete trying to, trying to, you know, win an event. Um, and then the 151st win, I think that's, that's super cool and something to look back on. Um, but not right now, you know, I'm still playing. So I'm not looking back on anything yet. You know, I'm still making, making strides and, and winning. Um, you know, however, when I, when I do retire from the sport, like that's going to be a really cool thing to look back on. It'll look really good on your hall of fame plaque. Let me say that. Um, yeah. On my resume <laughs> for my next job, you know, yeah, there you, hey, there I've won you. 151 disc Listen. golf tournaments. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll get a spot next to tear bear in the booth at some point if you're lucky. Oh, um, perfect. I mean, that'd perfect. be sad. Um, I think more so than you haven't won in eight months. I'm, I don't want to say troll, but I'm on the internet a lot. I got a day job. I can sit and wander. I think the, <laughs> um, don't, you know, don't judge me. Um, I think a lot of what the conversation was is not necessarily the time, but just when was the last time you beat Kristen? That was a lot. Like there were all these memes out there for a while about like, you know, Kristen behind you, the, the, just the whole thing. Because you had think the last time you beat Kristen heads up was Champions Cup when you won your major last year. Okay, and so does does that creep into your head at all? Do you think about that? Because for a long time it was Cat versus Paige, like that was the big you know the, the uh -huh. big battle. And since Kristen came in last year and played very very well, I think that has maybe shifted a little bit to Paige versus Kristen. Whether it's just from a viewer perspective, do you feel any of that? Like. Like, this is my new competitor or, man, I really can't seem to get past her. At least you, I mean, you hadn't for a while, but obviously you have now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I would say, uh, I think it might have been two years ago. Um, yeah, I, I was hearing that kind of um, storyline and I, I didn't know the stats or anything like that. But then I think it's called... Is it Sat Mando that yeah, you can do head by head, mm -hmm. head to head? I was just yeah. going out there. Um, <laughs> that's like right when that was coming out. Um, that was like right when Sat Mando was coming out. And I saw that we were pretty much dead even. Like we had both won the same amount, same seconds, same thirds. And I was like, wow, this is, first of all, a really cool website. Second of all, that's that's really cool. And that gives me something else to like um, strive strive for, you know, and, and, to, and to keep in the back of my head. And... Uh, then, you know, fast forward to last year, um, I'm, it's not something that I'm really paying attention to week in and week out. It's like I won the event or I didn't win the event. It's not necessarily like who beat me, how many times does that person beat me? Um, that really can just tear you down. I think if you start thinking about those things or at least my, me personally. Um, and it's really funny because, uh, like I, I feel like I had a really good year last year. I had won three pro tours and two, two majors and 
I considered it a good year. I won player of the year. And, um, and then I see all these things of like, Oh, Kristen got robbed player of the year, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, people really aren't giving me credit for the year I had. Like I had a great year. And, but then I saw her stats and she didn't finish outside the podium in the, uh, ever all year long, Mm -hmm. the top three. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, wow that is a good stat right there and um oh i think i said shit you're good anyway, you're good we're not it happens re- regular yeah, now i said right. it again my daughter's <laughs> now way, should... way worse if yeah. you're not, so you're, you're all good. <laughs> sorry mckenzie <laughs> um, you're all good <laughs> but really like when i learned that stat because i was like what do they mean i don't deserve player of the year like i won two majors like two out of four like that's amazing and three pro tours and um and then i see that sat and i'm like wow okay never finishing outside the podium like forget about who you beat or or those times you got second or third like to always be on the podium always be in the conversation that's that's incredible stat and so um i forgot what the question was if i'm being perfectly if you're honest just thinking you. about like you yeah. versus her and and and, and what i'll jump oh, in and okay. say is it just yeah it feels kind of like that that's what the media does that's we're, we're contriving mm-hmm. these stories and you're essentially it feels like you're saying you you can't be too wrapped up in in any of those definitely stories. Not. that's what we do definitely not right? but i but i but yes i do notice that of course you notice when like I mean, I've already known Kristen was an incredible throw thrower of the disc, you know, for the last few years, like, you know, what probably since like 2018, I saw her throw a disc 2017 and everyone back then the media was, Oh, Hannah Nevelina, Hannah Nevelina, the upcoming, you know, Europeans. And I'm sitting here like, uh, they don't even know about this Kristen Tatar girl that's coming up. Like, you know, and then she, just incredibly continued to rise her talent and um you know she actually back then she wasn't really throwing sidearms at all um she was like a master of the heiser flip Mm -hmm. and she was just like relying on flip up shots and and turnovers and and then developing the sidearm and really really fine-tuning her putt i mean she's got one of the most powerful putts period men or woman um and so, yeah, I definitely feel her coming, but I think for me, it's cool to add to, you know, not just the Paige and Kat thing. Now it's, and you said it's Paige and Kristen, but really Kat is very much still in that conversation. And now so is Ella and Missy and Holland and all of these people. And so um, Val, when she comes back and like, you know, I think that makes the sport seem more legitimate having more people that are talented so i think overall it's a win in every every column that you check it off in yeah i just think that as like terry said as the media and even as spectators you're right in that there is so many more women out there that can win but you know we we all want to see for whatever reason a heads-up battle you know, it's always been the Paul Ricky show, you know, even though right now we see how many men Gannon and and uh, Ellis and Heimberg and everything. But there's still always something to be said about that classic one to one battle. So I think as a media and as viewers, we're always looking for a one versus one. Who are the who are the rivals, so to speak? And whether it's mm-hmm. really there or mm-hmm. not, it's honestly just uh, a lot of contrive <laughs> contriveness about uh, this particular 
division right now. Well, maybe you guys should sponsor like in a little event, me versus Kristen, and I'm sure both <laughs> of us will be willing to do it. You know, heck yeah, there I, we go. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and you know, just to drive that point home, maybe for the final time, one of that the side notes to this weekend. Of course, you winning, you you proving you're every bit as good as you always have been. But then the side story to uh, Kristen and that podium was this this weekend was the first time she missed it in now 19 events. So she's podiumed, you know, basically every time she's played anything except for Worlds in 2021 in Utah when she you know struggled with grip and humidity and flight and everything else. But other than that, she's been on the podium and this was the first time. And it's it's funny as it sounds, someone like myself who who broadcasts and is so heavily involved in FPO uh, footage and coverage, uh, to me, that was very much, you know, the, the secondary story is like, wow, she she's not only, you know, not vying for the win, she's not going to finish on the podium. And that was a, that's just been such a surprise because of her consistency. And you're right. It's it's been so impressive all, all this time for sure. So when you look at this weekend, you know, I think I even sent out the tweet. Does does this jumpstart you? Does this revital uh does this revive you in any way? Did did you need a revival? Was this just everything clicked right? Is there if if you were writing an article about Paige Pierce and her next event, what are some of the things that are like, yeah, this should probably get talked about? What what would a few of those bullet points be? Um, I don't know. That's a good, good question. I mean, I feel like the course is somewhat similar as far as like, it's pretty open with lots of OB, lots of elevation change. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, if I throw the disc how I did this week, um, I felt very confident off the tee. I mean, I didn't question is I never, the entire tournament, all three rounds, I never had a thought of, oh, what if I hit that tree? Oh, what if my disc flips over? You know, it was just... Even on the double mando, (laughs) when I watched you hit the tree. Oh, okay. Okay, actually. Because that's a pretty tight gap. I think think everyone walks up to that and goes, what if I hit that tree? (laughs) I wasn't until Missy hit it. So actually, that one's funny because Missy had the box. She had just made that like 60, 70 footer, Mm -hmm. big putted us, and then rubbed it in and was like, oh, you let me big putt, y'all, whatever. (laughs) And then she takes the box and hits the tree. And I'm like, that's what you get. And then I hit the tree. And I'm like, damn it. And then Kristen's like, Kristen hits the tree and she's like, you guys, you made me do that. And like, like, I wasn't even looking at the tree until Missy hit it. And like, you know, and then Kristen wasn't looking at the tree until we both hit it, you know? And then, so, uh, yeah, that was a, (laughs) yes, that was a blemish on that. But, um, but you know what I mean? Like 95% of my shots, I, I, I just felt like it was just like robotic almost like just aim fire you know and it was just like i was impressing myself which was which was really cool like i would let the disco and be like yeah that was me who did that and just watching it fly through there and you know it was just like yeah it was it was just fun it was just fun and uh yeah i hope i hope that uh I can repeat it. I know I can. It's just a matter of if I can keep that mindset. 
Yeah, that that maybe. Well, is I it. think it's like, the mindset. What is it that it's... you need to do to, to 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 hit repeat? What do you feel like needs to be done? I think it's like your your self talk, and and if you're feeling doubt, or if you're feeling like insecure in any way, or um, like any anything gets in your head, you know, and then it's funny because something really small could be in there, and then it something happens and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And then that's all you can think about. So, um, yeah, I think just, just keeping my brain quiet and, and in doing like how I've kind of remedied that is just going a little quicker and not letting, not giving myself enough time to, to come up with a story of what could go wrong, you know? Uh, a strategy we've seen at the first two events of the year, your caddy give everyone the scoop is 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 he going to be full time all year what what's kind of the plan for uh your situation your caddy situation for the rest of the year uh well actually Nate just asked me if he could caddy at Champions Cup he said that he's not uh playing or on the broadcast so uh that's going to be the situation at Champions Cup so I'm happy to him. have Nate back on the back he he why as as i say he might get into Champions Cup. Oh, 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 that's oh, he may not want to. I mean, he may not he, want to. He's locked I in. I mean, if he Nate's kind of the type of guy where when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. Yeah, he might. But if he has the opportunity to play, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, keep it in the back of your head that you might true, need another true. caddy. No, you never know. I mean, I'm sure Nate would yeah. be a great caddy. Nate is a great caddy and he knows my back very well. He knows, he knows my thoughts. He knows my bag. So it's like, any chance that I can get Nate on the bag is going to be um, like best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but my caddy for the first two events, his name's Jared mm-hmm. and he's a good friend of mine. And he is, he doesn't, he's actually learning my bag very quickly and has come to a few practice rounds as well to make sure he knows how I'm attacking the course. So if, and when I have a question, he's like, well, in practice, this, 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 and you know, he, it's just very intuitive and he just knows me super well. So he knows like what I'm thinking. He knows what to say when I'm feeling a certain way. And, uh, also just is just like the happiest man on the planet and can always just make me smile. If, if I get into a moment of like frustration or disappointment or sadness or anything like that. Um, so, and he is painting, uh, he's one of the muralists, mm-hmm. um, that's been doing the paintings that, uh, they did them at Idlewild and, uh, USDC and now Waco and Austin. Um, they got a deal with the pro tour. So they're doing some painting at preserve and music city, maybe, cool. maybe Portland. So, uh, he said, anytime I need him, he's more than happy to help out. And, uh, so I think, yeah, he'll probably caddy at Nashville, but, other than that, I mean, I don't necessarily need a caddy um, anytime. Like, I I got a cart, and I, I appreciate, you know, pushing that up. And But when it's hilly, I definitely take the grip out of the cart and just carry my own bag. But it definitely saves you from picking it up and putting it down, picking it up, putting it down, and just the general wear and tear that that can bring. Um, but, yeah, it's nice to have a team and someone, some you know, you feel like it's a team thing and you Mm -hmm. throw the shot and you have someone to talk to about it, whether it went good or bad, like you can talk it out 
And so I, I, I do really appreciate that part of it and feeling like a team. Yeah. And I, it was at Waco uh, when we first saw him this year, caddying and I was in the booth and, and just the way that uh, at one point the two of you were bobbing your heads. I was like, I think they're sharing earbuds, just one with each. And then I think a little later it, it was confirmed. It, it looked as if that was the case. You had one in, he had one in. I'm like, okay, yeah, yep. they're, they're definitely in sync in the most literal of ways uh, in what they were listening to. They weren't in sync, but yeah. yeah are you sure? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'm just <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, um. So Nashville, of course, next, my, I guess my kind of question that circles around all of that is what, especially with how busy you guys are, what will determine when, say, Alyssa and, and or the dogs, like what, what, how do you guys kind of set that schedule or, or is that just a case by case basis that isn't even ironed out for the year as to when, you know, you're traveling alone, so to speak, as opposed to when Alyssa or the rest of your, your crew goes with you? Yeah, that is something that I leave up to her. She knows that I would want her to come to every event if possible. But, um, you know, she has her own life. And and she when she comes to a tournament, that's what it like. She doesn't have the like capacity to do what she wants to do because she gets like sucked into my world and, and helping me and supporting me and and, you know, I want her to have her own happiness and not just be there just for me. Um, so it's nice for her to have her own like goals and ambitions and things that she wants to do. Um, and for us to, to realize that and to, you know, miss each other for a little bit, which is also nice. Like, saying goodbye and saying hello is also just like, it helps you to not take for granted the relationship, you know, when, when you have to say bye, when you know you're saying bye soon, you're like taking every moment that you can. And, and then when you also, it it helps me, uh, when she's not there actually, because I can focus more on practicing longer and not just like, okay, I got to hurry. I want to go hang with Alyssa. Mm. And like, I actually am like, you know, taking my time and practicing. Um, so we've learned all of these things and, you know, are just trying to make the best decisions for both of us. And I think, you know, of course she's going to come to a few events, but, um, we're not sure what those would be yet. Hoping that she comes to champions cup. It's only five hours from our house and our pups love it there. And, um, you know, she has a lot of friends on the tour too, that she wants to see, but I just, uh, we know that when she does come to event, we have to keep in mind those things that she needs to remove herself so that I don't rush away from a practice round to come see her. And then also, so she can have some time to herself and not just get so like vacuumed into all of these disc golf things basically. Yeah. And so I guess my only follow up to all of that would be selfishly for myself and the rest of the disc golf fans. Do you think we're going to see her uh, doing any more photography, disc golf photography? I mean, she, she established herself as one of 
the best disc golf photographers that we've seen in years. And we have a lot of very talented people, uh, of course, still. But um, is, is that do you think that's in the cards for her uh, ever again? I would say probably not. Um, I I don't think you can rule anything out necessarily, but um, it was just taking up so much of her time. Like she was, she was a one woman show, you know. So mm-hmm. she was um, shooting the men or the women all day, all morning, the men all afternoon, and then she would edit all night long. So she would pull, you know, probably twelve hour days, and then. Have to, she would, you know, I mean, she wouldn't go to sleep until 1 a.m. and then would have to get up at 8 and do it all again. Um, so it was just kind of wearing her out. Um, but also just she was in a place where that was worth it to her because she wanted to help disc golf grow and to, and to help those players' brands grow by giving them photos and the pro tours and all that. But um, now the pro tour has other assets that they have. So she doesn't feel this like guilt or like necessity to, to have to be that person. So I don't think that she will, but you know, that's her decision and we'll have to see, see if anything changes. But I think for now she's, she doesn't really get her camera out that often anymore, actually. Okay. And again, that's why I say it was selfish. Uh, in that uh, she's always done such incredible work, as you've just said. Yeah, she's, so we, you know, no one, no one would ever be mad like, oh, Liz is all covering this. So, you know, nobody would be disappointed <laughs> in that because she does has done such a great job. So pivoting briefly, I did get a text kind of randomly, and it was, of course, a welcome text out of uh, uh, Willie this uh, not too long ago, Mister Mister Fierce documentary. And uh, I guess so that, you know, I had somebody just on the board followed up with, too. From your perspective, where does where does that stand? What what is either happening or not happening? What needs to happen? If you're still with us, we might I am you. sorry. Okay. I just oh, got a text. I got a text from Wilson, so I wanted to read it and make sure what I could say. Okay. Since we okay. got on that. Fair enough. Uh, what, um, what, what can you share? What do you know? Um, well, (laughs) things have been very bad with the documentary. Um, just some logistical things, I guess. Um, but when we decided to put it on DGN, um, there were contracts in place and, a lot more parties involved, you know, Mm. myself and Wilson as partners. And then, uh, another man named Jeff, who was like our distribution or not distribution consultant. And then now with DGN, um, as the distributors. So now we have like four parties involved and communication, logistics, um, contracts, stuff like that. Um, things didn't go how Wilson and I had hoped or wanted, Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know how much of this, like, it's so funny doing interviews with you, Terry, because like (laughs) I would tell you any and all of this in person, Okay, but then I remember that there's a lot of people watching this, Um, (laughs) but I I don't want any, we never want anyone to, you know, say anything they shouldn't say. And if, and if it's stuff that's not uh appropriate for the podcast and you want to just tell me and yeah. call you tomorrow someday. i'm yeah. sure <laughs> I mean, yeah so yeah. unfortunately though i mean i guess the long and short of it is there's been more hurdles 
and obstacles and struggles than what you anticipated and or signed up for. I mean, the business side usually. I mean, I feel like I what I could say is basically it's Wilson's baby. It's Wilson's baby. This movie, he put his heart and soul into it and so much of his time and and effort. And uh, it's not DGN's baby. They don't you know, it's it's content that they can put on their channel, you know, and they did so happily under a paywall. And uh, but it's not their baby. And so they didn't treat it as Wilson would have. And, you know. Now there's contractual things that are being talked about and we're trying to get our baby back basically so that we can do with it what we would like to do with it. And, uh, I feel like that's what I'll say, I okay. guess. Yeah. I, and, yeah, and I don't I, want to burn any bridges, but of course not. it's, no, it's no. just been a unfortunate handling of Wilson's baby, I would say. Right. Uh, speaking of, he had a real a real baby, uh, well, a, yes. more, a more literal baby recently, of course. Yes. Uh, congratulations to him and his whole family. Uh, I know that has also transpired uh, since since the documentary. So uh, super cute too. Yeah, awesome. Okay, <laughs> super okay. super cute. So one of one of the things I'll say about the Austin Open is both I felt like both of our winners looked really good in the trophy. Honestly, you when was the last <laughs> time you had a cowboy hat on or? Or, or when was the last time you owned a cowboy hat? You grew up in Texas. You had to have had one at some point. Yeah. I don't remember. My memory is funny. Like, I, I feel like I have a really good memory. But for my childhood, I don't really have strong memories. So I wouldn't say that I didn't have one, but I don't remember. So, okay. so um, it's been a long time since I put one on. But I was talking about it recently. I don't know if I was, like, really serious about, like, oh, I need to own a cowboy hat. But, um <laughs> You know, just being in Texas and like every place you go out to, people have these hats on, whether it's like a traditional cowboy hat or not. Um, but they have like these big hats and I'm like, man, I forgot my hat. And, you know, just like, <laughs> oh, I need a hat to fit in. And um, I actually like mentioned it. I was like, man, they should make that because on the scorecard, like the logo for the event, a hat, like the mm-hmm. scorecard even has a little hat. And I was like, man, they should make this uh, trophy a, a hat. And somebody was laughing. They were like, they did. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like this year, like for the women too. And so that was a cool little surprise. I know last year it was like a belt buckle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got the hat displayed and it doesn't fit me. So I won't be wearing it, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, I have it displayed right by my last year I won Texas State. So I have the belt buckle and now I have the hat right by it. So it's funny. It like looks I- like a little... In a few years, they're going to give out chaps and then, and, a, and a lasso, and you're going to be set. Little spurs, yeah, some yeah. spurs. Yeah, that would be great. You get the Perfect. whole the whole ensemble, and that's exactly <laughs> yep. what I was thinking as you were talking about yep. the hat. I was thinking about you holding up. I think you and I got a picture. You holding up the belt buckle last year over there at Texas State. Uh-huh. Obviously, a very on on point uh, on brand trophy there. Of course, because it's the internet. I know. I'll, I'll even roll my eyes as I say it, but. Uh, mixed reactions. Some people, of course, love it, and then I see I, an, I see an entire thread about oh, disc golf trophies are so stupid. Whatever. What, what What is your take on on things that I'll say are not traditional? You know, the the, the terrible person throwing, or or <laughs> just a, a generic mug, which I know you've turned into some you know uh, plan uh, planners. So w- w- tell us about how you feel about these kind of 
unique, more unique trophies. Uh, should we see more no, of them? I think that's, yeah, no, I think that's the direction we should head for sure. I think that they should be unique so that when you think of that tournament, not only do you think of past champions, you think of the course, you think of, uh, you know, all of these things, right? You should also think of that trophy kind of like in, in uh, ball golf, you know, the Masters has the green, even if you don't follow ball golf. I don't really follow ball golf, but I know that you get a green jacket if you win the Masters. And so I think that just adds to um, adds to it. And so, yeah, I can think of a few disc golf tournaments that have really, really cool, unique trophies. And I think that those are, you know, special and memorable, you know, like I can remember the greater Hartford open, like you win a sword, you literally win a sword. Yeah. And like, um, I won the music city open. I mean, years ago, I mean, I don't even know, 2014, 15. Uh, and I won a guitar. Yeah. I think they, I think they had a guitar last year. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh yeah. 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 A couple years ago, they had a guitar again. Yeah. Totally. So I think that's so cool. Um, and I think that's how it should be. I mean, if you've won an event, chances are you have either a plaque or like a vase or something mm-hmm. or of some sort. And it's like, come on, let's let's branch out and let's try something new. I think so. I, I'm all for it. But yeah, I mean, everyone's going to have you, different opinions. You think about uh, Barsby also winning uh, over at PCS Sula last year and what he got there. Uh, if, what did he get? Uh, the, the the helmet, the big the helmet, yeah, the Viking helmet, and then oh, the sword cool. or the yep. uh, yeah that went with it, and then I think the uh, cool. uh, you know in in Australia for a few years the didgeridoos. Oh yeah, I have a didgeridoo. Have, yeah, like yeah, how unique, you know. Uh, and of course, when so you go, you know, Alyssa just mentioned that on the on the board didgeridoo from oh, Australia Open. Oh, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> see, I was on the right track. I was thinking about the one I've seen with uh, at Nate and Val's house, like. Those are the you know some of the most unique, especially when they're pulling in that 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 regional or or countrywide culture or whatever it is mm-hmm. to tie it together. In this case, the state totally. of Texas and the hats. But yeah, it's yeah, I love it. Of course, you know, I it's the, the funny part is we have people on the internet complaining about trophies they're not even receiving and will never receive, but they want to complain about them anyway. Wow. So again, it's the internet. So I, so I understand. I only have one more Sometimes question. Be like that. I only have one more question personally. It was brought up on the board. Obviously, you have the passion and you have the fierce. Are, are we going to see more discs from Paige Pierce? Do we have? Yes. So we have more it's discs on coming? the. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I was just kind of thinking about that yesterday, what I wanted the next disc to be called. Uh, we have plans of like what it will fly like and what it's going to be. But um, I was just kind of thinking of names yesterday a little bit. Um yeah. So yes, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for something similar to like a surge SS, um, mm. like a medium speed driver, but still kind of not like a, a wide rim disc, like a nuke would be, but some like smaller, smaller rim driver, maybe speed 11, 12, somewhere in there. And, uh, yeah, very glidey and get the full S flight out of it. Not something like meat hooky. You're thinking, that, oh, go ahead. Tim. I was just going to say real quick, is that uh, just by the, your description, is that Thrasher-ish? Is that some, is that? W- w- too flippy, too flippy, okay. the Thrasher. I want, I want like a Surge SS, like okay. more, more stability, torque resistant. So you can, you can hit it hard and it'll turn, but then it'll still get that finish 
to the left. So you can really get the full S flight out of it. And I think as, uh, you know, as you're progressing as a disc golf player and you, you know, everything's going left and then you finally start to get stuff to go straight and that's a good step. And then the next step is like when you can learn how to get that S flight, that is just like such a magical feeling when you get the full flight of it and you're just like, you feel like a little kid, you know, with just joy. And, uh, I, I think that's what I want to try to help everyone to get is to have a disc that they can do that. But also, uh, selfishly, like I surge SS is an awesome disc and I want to create something similar to that. Um, yeah. Makes, uh, makes perfect it's, sense. Do, yeah. Do you, are you going with some sort of theme for your naming convention? You've got fierce and passion, which seem almost emotion based. Is there, it, or are you mm-hmm. just, or are these just words for you that, that, you feel uh, fit your personality or are you going for some sort of theme? I guess is my question. Um, yeah, somewhat, but I don't, I, I'm not super strong on that. Like if something else just hits me and it's like, it feels right, then I'm going to go with that. But, um, Discraft for sure wants to stick with a theme. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's kind of what, what the thought was is like that, things that I feel on the disc golf course, you know, and that way I can look down at the disc and it says passion. And I kind of remind myself like, yeah, remember this is your passion, you know, and, or when I'm putting and it's like, Hey, be fierce. Don't, don't be timid on this putt right now. You got to be fierce if you want to hit this putt and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it will probably fall as an emotion somewhat. Um, now it's just kind of what, which direction do do I want to go with that? Because I think to be an athlete, you kind of have to embody so many different emotions out there on the course. Uh, The confidence. I like it. Confidence. That's a lot of, it's a lot of letters. There's not really (laughs) many names left at this point. There's, I know there's there's so many discs and manufacturers. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that you touched on, uh, therefore it was out in the, in the ether. That's the word ethos ether. Um, you mentioned that you weren't uh, consuming any alcohol. Is that is that a weekend work mentality? Is is are you do you feel like you're taking a break right now? Just kind of generally. I mean, is is there an overall plan or or anything of that nature? I mean, because I think of everybody. Like I just randomly said, "Hey, I'm not going to drink in November." I just said, "Right, yeah," and I, that was the plan I went with, and I held to it, which was tough going to some events in Arizona <laughs> mm-hmm. and some other things. Um, it, long-term, short-term, does it matter? Is there, is there any other agenda there? Um, it's just something I want to try for myself and see, see how I feel. I know that, you know, especially as I'm getting older, uh, you know, you start to feel hangovers more, mm-hmm. uh, which is mm-hmm. not a good feeling kids at home. Yeah. So maybe heard. you think you want to drink, <laughs> but hangovers really do suck. Um, but, Honestly, it's, it's like something that I, I don't know. We, we all struggle with from time to time and, uh, whether it's like you want to fit in, you want to, you want to seem cool. Everybody else is doing it. I'll take one too. It's, oh, we're celebrating. Oh, I had a bad day. It's like, there's always a reason to drink. There's always a reason to drink. And, and somehow like when it's like, uh, you know, you're celebrating something. It's just like a natural 
thing is like, oh, let's go get drinks. And it's like the way that I live my life, I'm always celebrating something like mm-hmm. something good is always happening, you Which know? And, and so like, yeah, <laughs> except for when you pair it with alcohol and then you uh-huh. just are drinking all the time and you're like, why, why is this what I'm choosing to do? You know, it doesn't even make me feel good. Um, so I think for me, it's just kind of like, uh, realizing that it doesn't have to be like that. And yeah, I think, um, you know, I've seen alcoholism very close to me and it's not something I want to fall into. And I don't know if, uh, you know, I would consider that for myself necessarily, but I think that it could happen. And I just don't want that for myself or my future or anything like that. So yeah, just realizing that there's more to life than that, than celebrating like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and again, it, I say that and, and I'm so on board with you and it wouldn't matter if I agreed or not. I happen to, but I'm so on board with you and Johnny and I are very much cut from the similar cloth. Like, we could each drink for 30 straight days and then not drink for three straight years. And like to either of us, it just doesn't matter. (laughs) We can take or leave alcohol on any given day or night or week or whatever. And obviously everyone goes about it differently and that's totally fine uh, within, with whatever's your best limit. So for us, um, I, I don't know. I just, I guess I kind of, maybe it resonates or it sits a little easier that I totally understand. It's, there's clearly no judgment here. Yeah. The it last, the last really bad hangover I had was your fault, actually. Oh, okay. So, well, that sounds about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm it, thinking the uh, uh, GBO after you won. We all went to oh. fi- f- uh, firehouse. No. Oh my gosh, that was years ago. Yeah. That was the last really bad hangover. When my I had. dad was there. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I, was there. I, I remember oh walking gosh. in and they were that and they were so shot skis ago. and people were just handing yeah, them to that me. I was like 16. Holy cow. Yeah. If that was your last bad hangover, then you're doing all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, clearly I would say so. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I would say so. that was the last bad hangover I had because the whole next day I was wrecked and Terry had to drive home. Yeah. Brick, brick house, brick house. That's what it was. Yeah. Was back in brick days. yard. Uh, yeah, we were all celebrating your win. It was a great night. Uh, yes, I do. I very much recall that as well. Actually. <laughs> uh, we all had a good time. That's for mm. sure. All right, Paige. Well, I think we talked about damn near everything anybody could want to know. Well, for now. I mean, and if it's not there, they should check the documentary <laughs> somewhere. Uh, we also know that's out there. So uh, is there, uh, before we let you go, is there uh, any sponsors, shout outs? Where should people follow you? How can they support you? You know, those types of things. Give us give us the whole nine yards. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so my sponsors for 2023 are Discraft. Grip Equipment, OTB, Idio Disc Sports, and also Whale Sex. And I have one more that is, I have a meeting with tomorrow that's a, probably signing a contract. So that'll be re- announced soon. Um, and then, yeah, I just want to give a huge shout out to Schaefer. I mean, yeah, what's it called? Schaefer Sports Management? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blake, he has been a godsend for me. He, uh, you know, took on my finances basically. And then he was like, you know what, I'm going to start a sports agency. You know, he, in our finance meetings, he's like, is there anything else that I could help you with? Like anything else that keeps you up at night that makes you worry? And I'm like, you know, talking about contracts and stuff. And he's like, two weeks later, he's like, you know what, I'm going to start an agency. And since ever since like, just, he's just awesome. Like, 
just a helper, just a helper, mm-hmm. helper, helper wants to help everyone. And he's made my disc golf life so much easier. Um, just not having to worry about anything and, um, just bridging that gap between, uh, you know, what I think I deserve and what I do deserve and what I'm getting and, you know, saying no for me or saying yes for me, anything, literally anything. He's just been on top of it, him and his team. And so huge shout out to Schaefer sports management and, um, also just helping me grow disc golf outside of our already disc golf bubble, you know? Um, and yeah, my Patreons, I feel like they're always there for me. Always jumping in on there and just the, the disc golf tourists that came out, they're sending me messages. It's fun, like getting messages after every round and little inside jokes and stuff like that and checking in and, um, all the friends that we made there and my friends and family, I feel like, uh, yeah, I just have a lot to be grateful for. So it's kind of hard to just say every single person on here. No, but, you're, um, you are you are very well loved and supported and, and understandably so. And uh, yeah, I feel like we could go on uh, maybe another day. We we could have a, an extended podcast uh, simply on the disc golf tourists. And, and uh, it would be great to continue. Or we to could spread. go on her podcast. Yeah, we could continue mm-hmm. to spread that message Ooh, all around the world maybe. Uh, with everything that you're doing. So. Oh yeah, check out check out Approachable. That I think our first episode launched last week, and the next episode is maybe this week. I need to check into that. But Approachable season two is um, live, and episodes are dropping every other week. So check that out for sure. I knew that. That's why I plugged. Thank that. you guys. Yeah, good job. Good job. We're, we Thank got you. you. We Johnny B. Thank you very much. Whatever you need, we got you as well. All right, Paige. Of course, congratulations yet again on the victory this weekend. We're looking forward to another awesome year of disc golf in 2023. And we know that you're going to be right there as one of those people that are going to be providing the good shots, but also some great finishes. And uh, as always, we wish you the best and uh, looking forward to when I see you in person which tonight might not be still for a few weeks thank I'm, you thanks I'm for having me stuff. on guys always you're right. always welcome have a good night page see ya. good night page hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Paige Pierce, ladies and gentlemen, five-time world champ. I'm going to be hunting that sixth. She's still hunting the sixth and she is, you know, she's, she's building a Texas outfit and victory trophies. Yeah. <laughs> so, ah, uh, wow. She's pretty amazing. Honestly, 
just it it was funny i felt early on in the in our interview i'm like this doesn't feel like an interview it really feels like therapy for me yeah well it's catching it's catch it, it really it really is it's it's always awesome to have her on because i feel like we we can really get to a lot with her that maybe other people don't necessarily get a chance to talk with her about and a lot of that is your relationship with her in general being so uh so close because you've been on the road for so long yeah, it's uh, oh, I was sent. I, I may have been wrong. It might have been the 2017. So I was just sent a uh, well, it looks like a pretty safe uh, post. No, no, no. It, this is of uh, Paige and a couple others, including Simon Lazat yep. back from uh, 2017. However, that wasn't I don't think that was the year that you were referencing. This was the, the next year. Nonetheless, uh, I was so Jared, hungover Jared, I couldn't come the next year. Yeah, yeah. Jared, we appreciate. <laughs> they, they wouldn't uh, let me back. Uh, yes, uh, some good times. GBL. I thought uh, what you were maybe going to say was um, within the last couple of years when she's been in town for the Ben Askren Funky Farms, oh. and uh, there's been some gatherings for that as well. Where, needless to say, alcohol involved or not, there's always a good time. Anytime uh, Paige is around, it's fun. I know. I was just I was thinking of sometimes in Nantucket, like so many of my memories from traveling around the country and even around the world. Uh, nine out of ten times, Paige is at that given event, whether she was winning or playing in it, or uh, and or there was some uh, off the course socializing. Uh, always a good time. MPO. Oh yeah, they played too. Bennett Austin. They played too. Getting, getting his first Elite Series win, Mr. Gannon Burr takes this one down from the Chase card. That's two events in a row that the Chase card winner is uh, wrecking post-production week yeah. after week. Um, don't, you know, as I say, don't feel bad for Jomez. Just feel good for Gatekeeper. You know, it doesn't happen very often, and so the fact that they get... Uh, they get a little bit of the limelight now and again is going to be great. And hopefully, you know, I don't want to say hopefully we'll see more of that because I think the, the, the winner is going to come off of both cards for the rest of the season. I think we'll see maybe one or two more chase card wins. But most of the time, I, I bet you it's going to be that lead card. This course was unique in that in, in some of the ways it was able to separate second place. Simon Lazat. Simon, as he had said on the broadcast, we overheard him say that he had, I think, shot. 18 down on the back nine all weekend and two down on the front nines all weekend. Oh, and the back nine is more scorable hands down, but only two down on the front nine is not the way you need to go because I'm looking at the scores and a lot of people are three or four down or your Austin Turner and tore up the front nine and were seven under, but Simon Lazat playing good golf, kind of sneaking up almost, I don't want to say sneaking up out of nowhere that final round, but he wasn't, we didn't see him. And we didn't talk much about him. And it felt like he was far enough ahead of people that everybody was going to catch him. And just nobody did. Hmm. And so he came in at 20 and we all had to wait. And I know, you know, there's discussion. How come we didn't see Simon and cameras and this and that? And, you know, we I think they split off from Simon to go cover another card at one point who was doing hotter. I think it was maybe Austin Turner that they split off to go cover Austin Turner. Um. I'm not exactly sure on the numbers. I wasn't involved in the production, but I do know that uh, they tried to cover it. They covered so many people. They had said that there was what, like 
15 people within three strokes or 18 or, yeah something some, like that it some was absurd even more a number competitive than, than waco the weekend before at waco yeah uh third place a name that we've been saying a lot james proctor tied with calvin heimberg another name we've been saying a lot so those guys finished out your podium uh proctor just in general having a really good season start to the season it, not a surprise for some of us that have been around for a while the dude was rated like 1040 for a while, was more of a regional player, went out on tour. His rating plummeted. I think he's at like 1022 or something now, but uh, he has the skills. Hands down, he's a name that you you know, you know definitely want to keep an eye on. Fifth place, a name we haven't said in a long, long time, Austin Turner. Um, for those of you that don't know, Austin was is a world champion, junior under 16 or under 18. Uh, I, th- I think that year he won 15 and under 15 and under. Okay. Which uh, would have been what? 2014. Something like that in Michigan. Yes. In Michigan. I don't know. I'll have to check my, my video <laughs> blog. Check your video blogs. Cause I think you interviewed him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Austin Turner just, I felt like this course, uh, if I won't say it favored a lefty because I thought it was a pretty fair course in general, but it definitely didn't hurt a lefty. I'll say that mm. uh, Austin Turner, fifth place tied for sixth place. We have a big tie Mason Ford, who again was a name that we didn't really talk about. You didn't hear him talk about him at all on the broadcast. He shot a 10 under final round to jump himself up uh, like 16 places as her eight or hold shot up. Six plate, or is I think it's six or four. I'm I'm blind and I can't see because it's so small and I'm 45 now. Jeez, um, it's I jumped up four spots. E- yeah, H- I, uh, S- no, that little tiny number <laughs> under the tide for six is hard to see here from this angle. And sixth place as well, Eagle McMahon. Eagle, he was in it up until the back nine of the final day when he just had two. He had a bogey and a triple bo or no a double bogey which really knocked him out of contention. There was thoughts if he could birdie out that he'd have a chance, but that's really difficult on this course, as you all know, uh, as well as sixth place, Vino Makala. And then we'll round up the top 10, even though there's three of them, Kyle Klein, who continues to shoot really well, Corey Ellis, uh, Yuna Heinen, and Paul Macbeth. Same thing with Paul. Paul looked like he was lurking for a while, got to hole 15 where he had a double bogey, and then he went par, 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 you know, Woulda, shoulda, coulda. He might have been able to get podium had he birdied out uh, 15, 16, 17, 18. But again, that's a huge, huge undertaking on those holes because there was a lot of talk this weekend about the course. Day one, I feel like the internet hated it. And it was really windy. There were holes that nobody was able to birdie. Hole six, it felt like the wind was just against them. It's a 315 foot. I don't say horseshoe hyzer, but it's very close to that. You would need to get it up and tight and, and miss a tree. And the way the wind was blowing, I don't believe there was a single birdie on the first day, maybe one mm-hmm. uh, by MPO. And so there were a few holes that the wind just was really fighting them. And a lot of people didn't like it. I feel like as the wind died down, as it tends to do, the scores heated up. We saw, like I said, nines, tens, sevens. Out there on the final day, people started to learn the course. They started to get to get to know it. It was a brand new course that they probably only had two or three practice rounds on. And practice rounds are a little different, obviously, than when you're playing. Things tighten up. Um, your your focus changes from a practice round versus the competitive rounds. 
But I feel like towards the end of the uh, tournament, people started to war- definitely warm up to the course. So uh, I personally liked it from the very beginning. Um, I think that it it challenged different things this course than we see a lot of. I saw the one of the complaint was random ob mm. was the word I heard, and I kept thinking. I don't believe there was a random OB out there. I felt like specifically for MPO, the OB was usually placed in landing zones for better or worse. You either try to fight over the OB and skip off a green, which we saw a lot of people fail to be able to do that, or you have to play it short. And I don't believe that the viewers necessarily found that fun watching players lay up. Yeah, it definitely was a different mentality uh, this weekend, I think. And uh, to kind of back up, as I was just quickly looking at hole six, during round number one, there were just four birdies. Okay, there were four. Three of them were from deep in circle two. Okay. Uh, And then the closest one was just 27 feet. Uh, And then we saw a few more, obviously, in rounds two and three. Like you said, things started to pick up a little bit more uh, when we saw them. But yeah, it, it was just that. It was a new course on the tour. And... You know, whether it was a distaste for the course or it was the conditions that then added into a course that they didn't hadn't fallen in love with or a combination of all those things. Everybody had a slightly different opinion. And then, of course, what the viewers have as an experience versus what the players have as an experience. uh, Sometimes those align or don't, which is exactly kind of what we're seeing on our board. And I'm I'm a a a diehard defender of the production crew, the live broadcast, the cameramen, 100%. But I didn't necessarily feel on days one and maybe day two that the course was highlighted enough. That it was, it was a, I think we could have done more to sell the course and not necessarily like convince people to like it, but even just show people more whole previews, mm. more whole graphics that I felt that could have been out there to let people know exactly what we're doing. Um, they it looks like they heavily used drone shots, which I thought worked pretty well on this course for the most part. Uh, Ian, who did the not Ian Anderson, but Ian Lunger, who did the, the, the directing and Mo, who always does the producing for the most part of the elite series events. I just felt like they maybe could have highlighted the course a little bit more being a brand new course. Now, Again, part of it, like you said, is as people learn the course throughout the weekend, it becomes more familiar. You kind of start to get a real feel for it. The other thing I think kind of hurt this course was just the look of the course. It it looked like kind of, uh, I mean, in some spots, it looked like a rundown golf course. And it's it's March in Texas. I get it. There's, you know, it, they don't get a lot of rain as it is, but. They're probably not getting a ton of uh, use on that course, maybe quite yet. And it's probably not in its final shape that it's going to be when it's a golf course. And I feel like with a brand new course, you have to, it really almost has to be tip top in order to sell people. Because we've seen in the past people that viewers, whenever there's a new course, it feels like there's complaints about the course. I think the only exception I've noticed is the preserve which seemed like everyone almost loved instantaneously. But mm. we saw OTB originally wasn't loved. I believe Portland, some people didn't love it when it was out there. And it's all about learning the course. So I felt like the golf course probably, if it would have looked a little nicer, a little greener in spots, um, maybe a, a little bit more foliage on some of the trees, 
that it might have helped to sell the course. And is that is that necessary? No, but it helps out as a viewer. I think it helps you look at a course and go like, that's a pretty course. That's where I want to be. Now, and this, I don't feel like this course necessarily did that. I'll take some of that philosophy and say that it could also potentially be applied to scores. And you, if you are unsure of a course and you really haven't fully made up your mind, let's just say you don't know if you're in love with it or not, and then you see our sports best struggling mm-hmm. on it, then you, it, it's almost easy to be like, oh, well, yeah, that, that, that course isn't great, and here's why. I think as a viewer, you could fall into that trap and be like, see, even the best in the world are struggling here. It must not be a good course. But then, it, and conversely, I'll say, if the average score was 7, 8, 10 under during day one, it feels as if maybe people would have would have. Because those are the scores we're it. used to seeing. Yeah. So when you don't see that, it's it's kind of like you know when the when the the the, the non attractive person says something, and then the very attractive person says the same thing that's equally as stupid, but all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, that's just right. like that's this totally, broadcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not every gonna... week we deal with this. <laughs> we're we're not going to say who's who here. <laughs> But it's uh, it's just in a you know a, you know you're you're affiliating or attributing that and I, and I'm just guessing that that could be something to do with it. But you have your of the three rounds, you had your worst overall scoring, which I think averaged one point seven seven over par for the for the course for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, not a scoring that you're used to seeing. Yeah, it averaged one point seven seven over par. That's Northwood Black numbers right there. Maybe even uh, worse. No. I think that's even more. But then, then it comes Is back it on more? day two, averaged negative two point eight one. So what is that? A four and a half stroke swing. And then on Sunday, it was kind of in that similar neighborhood at two point five six. Again, they figured it out the course played easier, the conditions, all of those things probably came into play. But if they came out and averaged super hot right off the bat, I just feel like the immediate response might have had a different twist to it. So it is what it is. Um, in that sense, I'm uh, clearly I'm not saying that the you know the course design was terrible or great or I, I barely paid attention uh, to it to be honest with you. But I'm just thinking of the overall overarching response and what you see. And it's easier for people to bandwagon, you know, oh, this guy said this about it, you know, and they immediately jump on it. We've we've gone through this before. Uh, there's course designers and then there's people that think they're course designers. <laughs> so there's there's an element of that at the end of the day, too. So uh, last year, Northwood Black averaged uh, 3.1 over par mm-hmm. and 3.2 over par. Yeah, so, I, I was going to say, I thought there were it was close to like four or five over. Yeah. Uh, like I thought it was one rated, to two, but... 1,000 rated was shooting four and five okay. over still. But n- nonetheless, um, yeah, that's some of it. So. so overall, I think the course ended up selling well. It had really, really good turnout for spectators. I think that that is a big deal. I, I, if I had to take a random guess, we're going to see this... Maybe this course back out on tour. Um, I think Jeff had said something about trying to get uh, the other staple at Austin, the Roy G course, which everyone seems to love, trying to maybe integrate that as well as this course. So we don't have just three rounds on this course. Maybe we'll do a two and two event, but who knows? That's a whole year ahead. We just finished this course and 
I, I was I was happy with it, and I didn't have anything to do with it. Well, I feel like it's too soon. You're mentioning staples. It is a staple on the tour. Ouch. Speaking of staples, some heads up golf out there. Um, heads down. Uh, one of five or nine staples. I'm not exactly sure, but catch Cam Dave. Everybody has heard it, seen it. Um, the funny part is, I have not. I've watched the shot. I've not listened to it. I don't. Mm. I do not want to listen to it. I have. It's a thud. It's a thud, and I. I don't need to. For those of you that maybe thud are, life, bro, are hiding under a rock, unlike what Catch Cam Dave was. He wishes he would. Have been he under a rock. <laughs> felt like probably a rock hitting him. Uh, Eagle McMahon on hole four threw a giant grenade over the top and caught Dave, who was working with Gatekeeper Media, right square on the crown of his head. Like, right at the very top. Right in the very... I mean, you couldn't have squared it up any better. And it bounced off his head another 20 feet or so behind him. He obviously goes down. He's bleeding. He's probably... Is as tiny of a little hat as it was. He's probably lucky he had his hat on. Um, they stopped the tournament for 30 minutes. Well, everybody kind of sat down. They got an ambulance just to make sure everything was okay. Thank, 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 thank the disc golf gods that uh, everything was good. He, he, he needed obviously five staples or nine. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I, it's probably in this, uh, this thing. If you want to read more about it, you can go to catch cam Dave on Instagram, catch underscore cam underscore Dave. Um, and you can read and he, he writes an entire thing that he's glad to be able to laugh about it. Uh, but in all seriousness, he wants everyone to explain. He, so he goes through and explains some things. I don't want to read the whole thing. Go out to his page by all means. He's also, so he works, he worked with gatekeeper this weekend as their catch cam, but he has his own media company as well called Heiser media, which is based out of the Northeast. Um, so if you want to go to Heiser Media, go take a look at that. Go, you know, uh, I think it's even on Instagram, at Heiser Media, just as it sounds, just how it's spelled for us. Everybody kind of knows Heiser. But what an unfortunate thing. My, my understanding is everyone was asking, well, don't, how did he not know it was coming? Don't they have earpieces and things like that? Yes, 100% they do. And he was warned. He he had, He was told that it was coming over the top. And he thought he was in a safe position. He thought, because he was about 30 to 35 feet past the basket. But Eagle juiced it and went deep of the basket. And it's tough with a grenade. It's it's not the most accurate shot. It's going to stop. <laughs> it's going to stick wherever it lands, unfortunately. But distance control isn't always great. Because once it gets up in the air that high, the wind can do a lot of different things with it. And Dave literally thought he was back far enough. He was waiting for it to come down. And it came down and got him. And so he, he, he went to Eagle after the round and said he's good. Don't sweat it. I think he even said that a little bit before. That was some words before they restarted. Eagle was clearly shaken up about it, as anyone would be. I don't know what else there is to say about it other than it, it was... Dumb luck, dumb unluck, dumb bad luck that it caught him the way it did. And we we can hope that it doesn't happen again. There are some precautions that people can take if they're interested. If you're going to be a catch cam, 
They've been floating around. There's little plastic inserts you can put inside your cap mm. that will help distribute the thing. There are special baseball caps you can wear that actually have the built-in, uh, almost like a, a plastic shield built into it that helps distribute it. Obviously, if you want, you can just wear a helmet, a bike helmet yeah, or something. I was going to say, a rock climbing helmet <laughs> or a... Or a uh, that that comes to mind, a snowboarding helmet, like... Those get feel your rollerblade helmet. You haven't had that on in a few years. A couple decades, probably. Exactly. So get your rollerblade helmet <laughs> it, out. I, what? What? It, do you have any takes on this? On yes. as far as what? Uh, first of all, I'll start with. Of course, the only reason we could we could make any reference or or any form of light of it is because he's perfectly okay mm-hmm. and he has stated as much. Uh, hence, you know, my my terrible puns leading into it. Uh, so good to hear that. Of course, uh, I mean that's a given. It's good to hear that right on the spot. Like there wasn't a lot of, as we know, there's not a lot of, you know, continuation to this story from a health perspective. So that, of course, is first and foremost. And so super glad to hear that. Second of all, he's in a spot. Uh, Now, granted, I'm often on throw cam. uh, If I am out filming, I I guess I do stand out in the middle of the field sometimes when I'm doing the the sideline reporting, so to speak. But uh, I would say this. Think about the tens of thousands of shots that we've seen thrown in the last few years of just live coverage. And then think about who's been hit in the head. It's, it's been that we know of it's been one in tens of thousands of shots. One cameraman. And there is note of one spectator when Ricky took someone and hit them. Correct. Uh, a few years ago. A few years also ago. Also in Texas. Uh, no, uh, no. no. Is that Pennsylvania? Wherever he was. Yeah. Might have been Penn- Yeah. I don't know year or two ago, I, and I do recall that. Uh, again, it is incredibly rare uh, for it to happen, and, and I'm not trying to downplay it, but it's not that common, and just as grenades themselves aren't even that common of a shot. <coughs> All right, thank you, sorry. So, of course, you always have to have your head on a swivel. You have to be paying attention whether you're a catch cam or whether you're a spectator or a fellow uh, player out on the course. All of those scenarios. I don't think there's any overarching crazy mechanism and or uh, thing that needs to take place, uh, administrative or otherwise, or whatever you want to call it, procedural thing that needs to take place. If you want to do any of those precautions where one of the Mm -hmm. things you just described, I'm all for it. I know that I, I, I will not be, let's put it this way. I will not be equipping any of my potential cameraman with Jerk. said helmet. <laughs> Call me heartless or ruthless or just a terrible boss or whatever, uh, contract or whatever you want to say. I will not be doing that. However, if any one of them wanted to show up with a helmet or a hat or something of this nature, I, I clearly would fully support that just as much. So, no, I mean... I, it, it, he was behind the basket because let's let's put it this way. And here's what maybe my biggest take is because of course you see a lot of people saying, "Why is he so close to the basket?" Tell me, tell me the right spot where Eagle could throw a grenade and or throw a hyzer shot, especially with his power, where you're perfectly safe. Even the, I mean, clearly everyone's even fifty feet from the pin. Everyone saw there. it because the DGN cameraman was 
to the left if if you're if you're looking down back down the fairway he was to the left of the gatekeeper guy so he was able to turn and 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 see it capture it capture it better or worse but it wouldn't shock me if that where our guy was standing and i don't know the trees above him at all so i i mean cuz i only can see level if it could have gotten the dgn cameraman as well cuz like i said you throw a grenade up into the wind that could push 20 30 feet any direction Depending on the wind, it could have come down on the DGN guy who was 50 feet from the basket, as you said, and and off to the you know fairway right, looking back left. I, I I don't necessarily think it has anything to do in this instance of where they were standing. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. So that that is mm-hmm. my long and, and short of it. I, I agree. The, Someone says. Um, you know, first of all, head injuries are no joke. No. Of course, they're not. I don't. I don't think any. You know, we we would. I would suggest as such. And also, um, the comment that was just made about how uh, I don't think a major overreaction needs to happen, but safety shouldn't be ignored. Uh, yeah, I think that's a Correct. great way to summarize what I'm trying to say. Uh, again, how often it, have we seen this happen? Very little. But think about. I'm more likely to trip. Which another cameraman did. I, I'm more likely <laughs> to trip and twist my ankle, which I've done oh. countless times. I mean, not countless. Did I've you... done more than a few times to trip and twist my ankle on some little hole, it, man-made or otherwise, on a course, simply just walking down a fairway. I've done that plenty of times. Did you see how the gimbal man fell? Uh, I did not. So, like, it was a few holes later. Isaac, did he go down? I, it might have been. I'm not sure who was running the gimbal for okay. in the afternoon. Oh, okay. But they were walking off the fairway or off the tee. And he's following someone as they oh, do. And then he goes, he, he catches this thing and he goes ass over tea kettle backwards. Yeah, and tripped on one of the marketing on assets. On one of the marketing assets. I mean, that's you do what you do. But think about this. That disc. Why didn't it kill him? PDGA specs require these discs to be a certain flexibility. And does it hamper or limit our throwing ability? Can we Could we throw further if these discs were less flexible or if they were sharper or if they think... 100% probably true, but thanks to PDGA specs, there is a good chance that this didn't more severely hurt him. Correct. Um, I mean, that's speculative to some degree, of course, but uh, yes. Of course. We do but, have standards in place, which is your point. Yeah. We have standards in point in place that they meet certain flexibility standards and, and pliability flexibility standards, and that they can only be so sharp to a certain degree, and then all within fitting within certain constraints of whim, whim, rim. rim to weight ratios and so on and so forth. Those are all part of our overall technical standards. And so, yes, that could have certainly played... A factor into it where a sharper disc at 210 grams absolutely could have done more damage. There's no doubt about that. Uh, To what degree, you know, hopefully we'll never find out. But no, I yeah, you're you are right, though, that 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 is a reason mm -hmm. why we do have some technical standards for safety, um, you know, partially for safety. And, And really, if you're new here. That's also part of the reason why, for so many years in Japan, they had a limiting factor of 150 gram discs or 150 class, as it was called. For many years, uh, they just felt as if the safety was even more paramount there, and you had a more highly congested uh, territory where a lot of the courses were played on, the few courses they did have, highly congested, so on and so forth. And that was just an additional precaution that from day one, 
or early on at least, that Japan and players in Japan had taken on as one of the precautions. Let's face it, if you if you lined up anyone and said, hey, would you rather have that disc weigh 176 grams that came in on his head or 144 grams, they're going to hurt nonetheless. But you take the 144 gram given the given oh, yeah. a choice, you take a 144 gram disc uh, as opposed to the 175, 176 gram disc. So and Tim says it's amazing. Eagle shot missed all the trees too coming down. Oh, agreed, because. If you're listening to this, you play disc golf, so I guarantee you've said this exact thing. How the hell did my disc get all the way in there without hitting a tree? Yeah. And it takes me three shots to get out exactly. because you go in. 120 feet without touching a tree on a shank but then you turn around and look and you're thinking there's no way my disc could get through here i couldn't do that uh, in a thousand shots get through this and my disc ended up 120 feet in the woods Mm -hmm. so it's funny that you say that but i feel like that happens to all of us we all manage to throw it in the woods deeper than we can get out of the woods so it's just ironic maybe yeah so Nonetheless, uh, I, I, I feel for him. I feel for the entire situation, Eagle, the entire crew, everybody, everybody holding your breath for a moment. And then it does open up, as the board is largely talked about as well, it does open up a bigger conversation about various liabilities, uh, whether they be on Disc Golf Pro Tour, who's ho- helping host the event, an event sponsor, uh, in this case, a presenting sponsor and a Lone Star They've got a lot of money. Uh, a, a PDGA. Now, every event that's sanctioned from the PDGA is automatically, if you are sanctioned, you automatically have an insurance policy. That's part of your sanctioning. It is, if if your local guy is going out and running a C-tier tomorrow, when he runs, he or she runs that C-tier tomorrow, there's automatically, I don't know if it's a one in two million, I think it's a one in two million dollar um, policy one slash two million dollar policy that is is immediately I don't want to just say assumed or implied it's immediately granted now if you want that piece of paper spelling out or adding additionally insured to that that's when you pay to the PDGA an additional amount so I'll give you a very real world example of me sanctioning the Skyline Classic which is uh, available for registration as we speak. <laughs> um, the Skyline Classic coming up in a few weeks. The second I sanction that as a B tier or C tier, but it's a B tier, it's automatically has coverage. Unfortunately, a lot of municipalities will say, yeah, yeah, cool. That's cool you have coverage, but we need a piece of paper not only saying that you have coverage, but on that piece of paper saying you have coverage, we'd also like to be uh, included in the insurance policy. We'd like to be included and listed as additionally insured. So at that point, I pay the PDGA an extra $50. I list, in this case, the Kenosha County Parks or Kenosha County, and they're additionally listed on that insurance policy. And that is then presented to them. They want us, most municipalities will demand that that is on file before you even host your event. Some don't care. A lot of them do. They're trying to, you know, it's a CYA, right? Cover your ass. That's exactly what they're trying to do. And they don't want to take my word for it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's sanctioned. You're covered. I swear. (laughs) They want it spelled out on a piece of paper. And then uh, that's exactly what you're paying for into the PDGA. Certificate of insurance, as Zach says. Lots of places need them. 
on file. In fact, that's exactly what the parks guy said to me. He said, you're all good to go. We just need that certificate, which I have already been emailed, so I'll forward on to them. So there is insurance. Now, if you become a really big event, like an Elite Series event, uh, the PDGA doesn't charge you to get to have other people additionally insured, and it's automatically just done. Uh, they will send you that for free because you're already an Elite Series event. That's a perk of being such a big, large-scale event. And so now, could there be a bigger conversation if some... I don't want to call them slimy or feisty lawyers get involved. But if lawyers get involved, <laughs> put your own adjective in front of that. If lawyers get involved, are, they naming, are they naming the city of Austin? Are they naming uh, the, wherever that park is, the, the name of the park, Harvey? Harvey Pennick. Yep, the Harvey Pennick Park or Park District. Are they naming Eagle McMahon? Are they naming Disc Mania? Are they naming the PDGA, the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Yeah, they're probably naming all of those entities if the right lawyer uh, felt like they had a case and wanted to go after it. I mean, those are all just the reality of where we are. I think we're lucky. I'm just, not saying we're getting it. Correct. I'm just saying that's what would happen. I'm just saying, I, based on what I read on his Instagram, I feel like we're not going to see that, thankfully. Um, he, he says... <laughs> He wouldn't have much of a case after he said on his Instagram, I take fault for it because I thought it was going to be coming further. Never admit to anything. That's right. That's your problem, Dave. That's your first problem. Let me get you in touch with some lawyers, Dave. Gosh, take that Instagram post down. Anyway, I'm not, of course, we're looking at this in a, you know, uh, it's done and it looks like everything's going to be on the up and up and, and whatever. Yeah, you think about all those types of scenarios that could potentially happen. Uh, gatekeeper, if they're the crew and they were contracted, I, I'm just and I'm not a lawyer. Clearly, we know clearly. I'm just saying you think about all the feisty little ways that people like to get their 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 mitts onto it and what could or couldn't happen. I just I'll all I'll finish that by saying is I hope I never find out like that. That's where I'll leave that. I hope I never find out any. When's of those. your next event? I'm going to. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Start jumping in front of some discs, my friend. Uh, uh, I will take you for all 27 uh, sex and firebirds you have somewhere. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> uh, Which is another reason, as a company, uh, no joke, uh, as a company personally, uh, my company, I also have not only am I an LLC. But I also then have an umbrella policy uh, as part of my company's business and then a personal umbrella policy. So, so we can take the insurance company for all they're worth, Miller. God, you got to work with me here, Terry. got to work with me. Okay. As long as nobody touches my Frisbees. <laughs> That's what matters. <laughs> don't touch my Frisbees. Uh, you can take my house. It's not worth much. All right. So uh, is there anything else? <laughs> is there anything else? Uh, that That is the open at Austin which everybody has to get used to saying, uh, is that only slightly less difficult than in, in remembering and saying than what's coming up next weekend? Oh Johnny? my gosh. What's coming up next weekend? The Innova open at Texas state championship. I believe the Innova open at the Texas state championship. I, I didn't look, I'm not working it, so I don't know, but yes, that is the silver series. That is coming up this upcoming weekend. Is that is that correct, Johnny? Um, hold on. Give me a second here. I'll see if I can find it again. I, I, I had it up. We are not paid for this advertisement. 
DGPT uh, Silver. The, the DGPT Silver Innova Open at the 28th Annual Texas State Disc Golf Championships. Listen, I'm a big fan of everybody. All the sponsors involved, everything. I, there, has to be a, there has to be a character limit I'm going to start enforcing. <laughs> I mean, literally, this tournament's name, a different one, is called the March 22nd Wednesday Oregon DGC's Weekly Flex Start Number 2 Wednesday, orchestrated by Cherryland DG Regis. I'm sorry, I will not attend your thing in Eugene, Oregon. Just on principle, Just on principle now. I was thinking about flying out there. Says the guy whose tomorrow. Name is Jonathan Van Derzen. Jonathan Leonard Van Derzen. Exactly. Pretty long. Yeah. Correct. I know what it's like to have to fill out a Scantron and run out of and run out of squares, <laughs> my friend. I know this pain. No, but the, yeah, the, uh, upcoming up this weekend is the DGPT Silver Innova Open at the 28th Annual Texas State Disc Golf Championships. It's in Houston. Um. I, I don't know anything really about it. It's at what course? It's it's in Houston. Does it, it doesn't even say the course on here? I'd have to go to the. I guess I have to. I've seen some pictures from social media of people playing the course. It looks okay. Uh, I think on the broadcast, I'm going to complain about it. On the broadcast, Juliana said it was uh, that it should be competitive. I think was her word. Okay, that we're going to see we're going to see more scoring than we saw at the Austin Open. Okay. Other than that, I don't know. We'll all see together, won't we? Because the only the only experience I have in Houston uh, is from Worlds in two thousand two, two thousand and two, where we played the complex. And we went out at the Hurricane Hut. At the Hurricane Hut and had our car towed. <laughs> that's another story for another day. Most of you know it. Uh, also, so that's going on from the Silver Series perspective. I am excited to uh, again reiterate that I will be heading over to Florida. I'm going to be at the Open at Tallahassee. And the 18th open at Tallahassee, sponsored by Visit Tallahassee. Not bad, but you're 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 starting to push it a little bit there, Tallahassee. Uh, yes. So this weekend, looking forward to the action. I have the Disc Golf Guys channel with our insurance has been contracted <laughs> uh, by the event, and really looking forward to giving you uh, first round. Feature card on MPO, and then rounds two and three, we will have a two-camera lead uh, lead card coverage of MPO. So that's going to be going on this weekend. One of the mild disappointments, if we're just being blunt, is that uh, at the end of the weekend, Paul McBath, who was leaving Texas and is planning to play in both Tallahassee as well as Sword on the Mountain next weekend, had made a post to social media, also had alerted me that he's going to be withdrawing or has withdrawn from the Tallahassee event. Uh, his little finger. <laughs> now, his, uh, he, he had a, some nasty, nasty blood blister type thing on his finger. Uh, that he had dealt with throughout the entire weekend uh, in Austin. What's going on here? An alarm I hear? Some kind of beeping. Oh, uh, so, I know what that is. Uh, My son will get it in just a second. Is it? Uh, are, are we dying of carbon monoxide? No, he, he has a computer in in his room that uh, the 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 internal fan is broken mm. and so when he when it boots up it alerts him that the fan is broken by mm. beeping at him oh perfect and so somehow overnight he's sleeping right now but his computer must have rebooted maybe it didn't update overnight and rebooted and so he has an unfortunate 1048 alarm where it's just screaming at him right now okay so uh anyway so paul Macbeth not competing this weekend he's got a broken fan and finger or something and uh we're gonna see matt Orum. Uh, as your highest rated competitor, he looks like the guy to beat only 
not only, largely because he is he is coming into this with a 21-point advantage over the next uh, set of competitors. And it's incredibly competitive after that, but you would call Orem a favorite to take this down. So we'll see how it unfolds in Tallahassee uh, this weekend. And as I'm going to quickly take a quick jump over, Ellen Widboom, we'll see her along with the Lynn's Twins, uh, over there on the FPO side, along with uh, someone I'm not familiar with, Nid Ovithanson. I have to reread that. That's a lot of letters. Ovithanson? We'll go with that. That's, uh, I'll, I'll find out this weekend and report back. So looking forward to being in Florida. Pensa, I believe Johnny McRae is was registered as well. He's, he's he is. there. He's right yep. there. Yep. Yeah. So looking forward to it. Um, Upcoming this weekend. All right, we got that covered. I don't know if we have much else. Is there? And um, I get. I guess we should briefly, quickly mention it as it's been a little bit of a social media uproar. The Champions Cup is full with a long wait list. I think there's a 24 person wait list. 16 of those players are on um the tour. They're touring pros, and there's a um, a small hubbub over whether or not they should get in or they should be allowed in or why they didn't get in who's responsible whose responsibility was it to get them in and whatnot um i i don't have a lot to say about it other than there was a an entry period from february 6th through the 19th that was restricted to only 10 or i'm sorry only thousand rated players and above so they had an opportunity to register I think there was some, I'll say, some communication with the PDGA or maybe some lack of communication about the fact that it opened and was available to them. Um, 150 other people were able to sign in. I don't know where the PDGA posted it. Um, but all I'll say is personal responsibility. All right. And, 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 and we'll leave it at that. So if you're out on social media, you know that there's a bunch there, you know, Ezra, Prez, Double G. There's a few other ones you can go and look at Disc Golf Scene and look James at the, Conrad. James yeah. Conrad and look at the wait, look at the wait list. But um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, as silly as this might sound, is there. Uh, of course, W.R. Jackson is the course. Correct. It is. Is there a conversation about if it's truly at max capacity? I don't know that. Okay. Uh, I, I'd have to look back and see how many competitors we had there last year. What did that look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we all know that one of the easiest things that plenty of people can blurt out, and I've said this before, the most creative and clever people are always the people on the wait list trying to get into an event. <laughs> they always have the the brightest ideas. Uh, but you, you have to take into consideration things like inclement weather. And if you have a delay of X amount of time, whether that's 30 minutes, which is the minimum, essentially, 30 minutes or an hour or two hours, and that ends up, I'm going to say ends up jacking up the the completion of rounds or and or the tournament as scheduled, the first thing people scream about is, why are there so many people in this? We should have had plenty of time. If there were less people, then we could have got this in. So th- there, there is no silver bullet. There's no perfect solution here. 
I, I haven't fully looked into it other than as uh, than what you've said is that there are people that are on the waiting list that had a window to register that did not register for whatever reason. This feels very reminiscent, of course, of the USDGC. And for many years, there was a policy within the USDGC, and it sometimes fluctuated and or needed clarification. But something like this could happen. And I'm just going to arbitrarily use these uh, the time the people's names may uh, may not be true but uh, double G wins Las Vegas challenge therefore earns his spot into the USDGC the very first event of the year I'm just fictitiously making this up he he wins one of the coveted spots to get in or has earned his ticket punched his ticket whatever you want to call at us for a while they were saying hey you're one of five people that that earned your way into this event Here's your piece of paper saying as such, you have by such and such day to secure your spot, to go register. You you like two weeks or a month or something. Yeah, or a couple months, whatever it was. You've you have earned this invitation or you have qualified to play in it. And there was more than once where high level professionals, one of which is a world champion right now, if I off the top of my head comes to mind. They just didn't get around it. They simply didn't register. They earned a spot, but they didn't register. They didn't do it within that time frame. And then fast forward to October, and there they are on Monday, at Monday qualifying, trying to get themselves into the tournament because their time had passed. And, of course, the Internet uproared. How is this fair? This isn't right. Blah, 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 blah. Well, they turned into Scooby, too. <laughs> exactly. Scoob. Like, I... Personal responsibility is a good word, and if it can't be you, damn it, get an agent, get your friend, get your mommy or daddy, get your get your number one fan club member to take care of it for you, a sponsor, whomever. There's got to be somebody that you can either enlist or hire or ask a favor of. Andrew Fish, I know, has stepped up <laughs> on the internet. Whomever it is, find whom that is and and get it taken care of. And now it's getting easier than ever. Not only do we have all this online registration, but money is a lot more fluid than it used to be among most of our top players. Back then you had an argument of, man, I'm going to make, I'm going to have the best year of my life as a mediocre touring pro. And I'm going to make $18,000. And I do not have an extra $250. That's six months away. I just don't have it. And, and there is something to be said of that. And I'm not saying these guys are rolling around in, in Scrooge McDuck money, but they certainly are more fluid and sponsors have stepped in up in a lot more ways to either reimburse or pay for you to have this taken care of. So that's my long-winded soapbox about it. But And I feel bad, of course, to some degree. I have a little sympathy for of them. Of course. A little. I, no, I don't a, love a, the idea of, oh, so-and-so didn't get in. Ha-ha. You know, look no. at that fool. Not at all. But it's hard. It's also hard to like go, you know, run to the grocery store and grab their clean their Kleenex for them and be like, here, you know, is, uh, we didn't see this coming. It's, ultimately, what, what, as we did. what I would love to see is. Now, I'll say this on disc golf scene, there is a button that says follow this tournament and it will alert you 24 hours before registration opens. Now, that doesn't work necessarily for tiered registration because with the Champions Cup, which is a major, you have the invites 
And if you want to look at who's on the invite list, you can take a look at that. That's previous champions, world champions, you know, uh, things of that nature. And then they go to the tiered, you know, your 10, 1030 and above, 1020 and above. It alerts you 24 hours between the first one. What, what would be really nice is if the PDGA sent out an email for their majors to the people who are qualified to anyone that's 1020 and above or 1030 and above when the registration opens. Cause I don't believe there's right now a huge rush. If you're a 1030 rated player and it opens up for you because there's only so many of you, there's only, I believe 75 or so 1020 rated players and above that are current with the PDGA. So if they could send out an email that says, Hey, you're 1020, you're current, you've passed your, um, Officials exam, here's your invite. Please sign up. Now, that does require that the PDGA have your current email address. That does require them that you make sure that it's updated on the PDGA site. Or if they use Disc Golf Scene or whatever. Because inevitably, we all know what's going to happen is that it was sent to my other email. I I just looked on the, the PDGA site today at my own account and it had an old address in there that I moved. I've moved two years ago, a year and a half ago or so. It had my current email, current phone, but it did not have my current address. So I updated it. It's great. And w- uh, one of the gentlemen from the PDJ said he's actually working on that particular, not not my plan, but the uh, the user side of it right now. That is his job over the last 20 or 40 hours that he's been working is this particular area. So we need to make sure, you know, as a player, you need to make sure that's up to date because we all know this podcast is a perfect example. Players change phone numbers. Players lose emails. Nico had four Facebook accounts at one point because he lost the email address to recover the password. So we created a new one. You know, this, and these are edge cases. Double G changes his phone and Terry talks to a stranger who says that they're going to be on the podcast. So and that a-hole stood me up. He stood us so up. He could have joined, done is joined us yeah. and then been vulgar or stupid or something. Yeah, he could have joined the show and, you know, and then not been double G. So there is going to be, no matter what you do, you cannot take the onus off of the player in, in the grand scheme of things. And I've heard suggestions like, well, maybe we should use the tour card to register. And I say, well, no, you can't do that. Because that's the DGPT that doesn't integrate in with the PDGA, two separate organizations, and the two shall not talk. <laughs> um, not that they can't, but they're, they, they don't. The, that, there's no official thing in the PDGA that says who's a tour card. That's a DGPT thing. Um, and on top of that, do you want the DGPT responsible for registering you for majors? That doesn't make sense to me. I wouldn't want that. What majors are they going to register for you? Uh, you want European yeah. Open? You want Worlds? Do you want all the putting contests at Worlds? Do you want driving? Um, you know, are you going to be in the ace pool? Just the, all none of that stuff. You want first class ticket to Europe? Or yeah. yeah. So uh, that's why for me, I, I think that's a non-starter. Even though I've I've seen a couple people recommend that, but overall, there there will be some onus on the player. There are a lot of levels. The, some of these players are making well into the six digits these days. Some of them have agents. Some of them have managers. Schaefer Sports, you know, some of them are. There is a lot of places that this can happen, and I, I hope all your favorite players get into the event. I hope all, everyone can play that is eligible. I, I want I want the best competition that's out there. Um, the only thing I'll, the last thing I'll say about this that, that kind of grinds my gears a little bit are, are people who are saying, you know, the typical, 
well, if if all these guys can't get in, is it even really a major? Well, and, yeah, well, that- and, 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 and what I'll say is, you know who's not playing? The number one rated player in the world, Manabu. Yeah. So unless the PDG is going to fly him out and pay for that, is it ever going to be a major if he's not playing? No. So just if any, if you hear anyone say that, you know, uh, that are, is questioning the validity of the event because some players didn't get in and you've got some 990 rated players who are in, oh, just play the Manabu card. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And I'm done talking about you that. You can subject. only beat the people who sign up. Or who want to sign up and couldn't. <laughs> people who show up. People who are there. That's that, Those are the only people you can beat. All right. Well, again, as Johnny said, I, I hope everybody, I don't hope everybody gets in because then they're going to have like a 400 person tournament. So can I get in? Uh, I can't. I'm, I'm 931 rated. You have to be like 935 or 940 and above or something. I'm not eligible. Uh, I mean, we could petition. We we could probably sponsor exemption spot. Yep. Sponsor exemption. Yeah, that that could we could make something like that happen. All right. So that's what you're that's some of the chatter on the internets. Man, it's easier when you just ignore the internets. It is. I've learned that. So I'm getting better at it, but not entirely. I recently got uh pretty shredded I'm, for my disc golf network commercial. Um it's which I I, it's under, media, the, I understand. There's nothing wrong with the commercial. I, you and I have talked about this. It's mediocre voice work. It just it doesn't feel authentic. Like it yeah. sounds fine. It just I could use a little more authenticity from you next time, Terry. I mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> it probably won't be next time. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, I think we can close this up. We can close up shop for now. Strong I, side chains. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yet I, it's funny because I think it was, uh, it was, uh, I feel like how that commercial kind of actually lined up a little bit with some of what we saw in Waco. And I just thought oh. that was funny. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's just more fun for me to give you a hard oh, time. Oh no, I, and I, I'm, I'm all good with it. I'm not being defensive of it. Let me I'll throw that out. It's there a fine me. commercial. I, I I don't like hearing myself, but uh, I don't, I don't like hearing you either. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, speaking of which, then I won't be here next week. So suck it. I will be in Florida. As I just mentioned, I'll be covering Tallahassee and then but you'll be on over. the show. You just won't be here. I, I, I maybe will hear join you. you, but I will be in Tallahassee and then transitioning over to the Brooksville area. Looking forward to my next uh, 10 or 11 days or whatever it's going to be down in Florida. And, um, yeah, so I, I I won't physically be here next week. Okay, you'll 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 you'll, you'll try to survive I'll, without me. I will do my best. All right, we are going to. And uh, the last thing I will say, though, also about the commercial, and I never got around to typing this out last night. Maybe I do not. Let me be very clear. I do not ever want to, would ever want to be responsible for faking or redoing anything over the holy shot. That was that mm. was Nate and Philo and Ian and Ian and I, I feel like there would be a level. First of all, I could never fake. I think anything that would ever be clever enough to 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 try to go over that. Uh, I wasn't on the call, and therefore, yeah. Secondly, I feel like it would be disrespectful even to attempt a commercial that then reshot over 
that particular moment. It's just, that was their moment in history. I love it. It's uh, for all of its flaws. People say it's natural. It's yeah. And a lot of people say, well, you should, you have the greatest shot. Like DGN has the greatest shot of all time. Why aren't you using that? And and if they did, nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying you should use the great the, the holy shot more. No, no, no. no. Oh, I'm saying I was why they say. did it for the commercial though. Oh, uh, yeah, that was that's something that's said in there. That's why I wanted to address it. Oh, okay. I would never. I I would nix that in a heartbeat if somebody said, "Hey, we're gonna have you dub over the holy shot for a different version of it." I would just decline. Bad idea. Yeah. So I I do want to throw that out there because I know that was. By some people thrown out there saying, you guys have access to it. Why aren't you using that? Now, could it? Yeah, that's where I'm going to leave it. All right. We're going to leave the podcast now. What is this? 447? It is. I don't know where we are. Um, but yeah, I guess we're going to call it. I want to thank Paige Pierce again for joining us. <laughs> it's so funny because I feel like we barely talked disc golf, which I'm always good with uh but it was great there's a thousand other podcasts that'll ask her all the same questions go listen to uh we we thank Paige for joining us and all of her incredible supporters and sponsors i know a bunch of you guys showed up uh tonight to also make sure you could take it all in so thank you very much congratulations yet again to gannon burr uh for his performance this last weekend and uh we're looking forward to the silver series the long named silver series if you're a Disc Golf Network person this weekend, take it all in all three days. Yeah, the live. first silver event that is going to be broadcast all three days this year. Yep. So take it all in. And then uh, and when you're not watching that live, I'll, I'll have post-production of Tallahassee all ready for you to go the day after every single day is the plan. So for Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. That's been Podcast 447. Stick around. We'll have a silly little after show. And we'll do all of that and more on the other side. We'll see you then. You step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv.